When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Giving you the real from A to Z surrounding the Dallas Cowboys. News, updates, rumors, transactions, takes, and more. So strap up, Cowboys Nation, and start your day off with A to Z Sports. Live with Will Steele. Three, two, one. Here we go. They can't hold a good brother down. I won't let them hold a good brother down. Good morning. Good people. Welcome to A to Z Sports Live, the Skywalker Show. We stream it live on YouTube. And y'all know what it is. I am your host, Will. Skywalker still. Won't let them do it. Now, if they try, I, I just come back. It's Thursday. Y'all know what that means. We got Patrick No C Walker in the building at the top of the hour for the scientific method in about 10 minutes. We're going to talk about some of the things happening down there at the star. Get the vibes of this four and two Cowboys team heading into the bye week. Then after that, bring it back Sky Optics. But we're going to talk about the defensive side of the ball because I went through the film over there, man, and ah, some good film. It's fun. A lot of fun things uh, I witnessed on that side of the ball, and we'll break it all down. I'll give you my notes. We'll go into depth on that, and we're going to listen to uh, one of the assistant coaches that is very integral in developing some of these young guys on this team, and, and I think uh, has helped develop one of them to, it's week six, but pro bowl status. So we'll talk about that as well. And then in the roundup, there is a concerning trend on one side of the ball across the league, and um, I do want to talk about that with y'all for a little bit, not too long, but some of these numbers uh, maybe make sense now when you look at what's happening with some of these offenses. I know we're very focused on ours, but it, apparently it's not just the Cowboys. It's it's happening league-wide in regards to that side of the ball. So we'll get into all of that. But where my man is at, man? What's good, Bomb Squad? Bomb Squad! You know, it feels good to be able to do that now, now that we saw, you know, Brandon Cooks hit y'all with the archery, right? Feels a little, feels a little good. Uh, apologies, y'all. I just want to say this real quick before we get into the roundup. Got to hurry up here. Apologies for uh, what happened on the VOT show. Something was going on via Restream. Apparently it was happening. Let me turn this down. It was happening with uh, Law Show. He got it sorted out. I think we've got it sorted out here. We shall see. Once again, though. I, look, I can only do but so much given what I what I have. But we'll, I'm going to try to give you all the best show possible. Uh, appreciate you, Miss Princess. Real quick before I get into Roundup, I happen to go back and watch the show. You ain't right, Miss Princess. Miss Princess had a comment yesterday uh, talking about Michael Gallup. She said, I would trade Michael Gallup for a new lace front wig. Oh, Lord. Y'all ain't right. We're going to talk about this trade deadline in a second, though. What? 
It's time! It's time! It's time! It's time for the morning roundup. Round them up, boys. Let me talk to you. New lace front wig is crazy. It's just absolute craziness. <laughs> Got a trade. Speaking of the trade deadline or the trade, right? Yesterday, and it's a little earlier. And the trade deadline is not till October 31st, but teams are already kind of getting on a horn. We're starting to hear rumors, and we're definitely going to talk about this a little bit more tomorrow, being that it's Friday, no game, so it'll be a little bit more of a roll out the TV type of day. But I did want to kind of preface it with what happened yesterday. The Kansas City Chiefs let McCole Hartman go in the offseason. He signed a, a decent contract, nothing crazy, over there in New York. And the New York Jets said, you know what? You can have him back. We're good. We're fine. And I don't blame him. Uh, five games, McCole Hartman has one reception, three targets. They clearly do not know how to utilize uh, the kid. And we know the Kansas City Chiefs do. So they won out and they got their guy back. And, you know, I was having this conversation with Vach. Like, if the Chiefs, who won the Super Bowl, can say, hey, this isn't enough. We we need more to help this team. Let's go try to help our team. If they can say, hey, we, we got Pat. We got the alien. We got the monster, the one of the greatest of all time. We're still going to go out and get guys, right? Then who are we to stand Pat? Pun intended. Who are we to stand Pat? So the Cowboys definitely should be on a horn. Stephen Jones always says this. This is a 365-day-a-year personnel acquisition, you know, league. Show us. Show us. Now, I'm not going to sit here and throw a, a hissy fit if they don't make a trade, right? Like, it takes two to tango. But, you know, it'd be nice if, if we were active, you know, during the trade deadline over the next 10 days or so. And we bring in somebody. It doesn't even have to be. Uh, a huge name or anything like that. Last year, the Cowboys went out and traded for Jonathan Hankins, and that made a difference and is making a difference. And I know it, he was re-signed, but we'll get into a little bit more about Hank in a second. But if they go out and do something similar, I take that. I know we're talking about Pat Sertain, but that's pipe dream. I'm just talking about something that'll help your squad that won't cost you a whole bunch of picks or may seem to be unrealistic. And I know the Cowboys don't have a lot of picks, but they got some players. They got some players. We'll talk about all of that tomorrow. I just wanted to kind of preface it, though. Shouts out to Warren Sharp. Um, I know he puts out some controversial tweets sometimes. People don't like him on Twitter, but I absolutely love the research he does, and I am a part of... Uh, his little program he has where he puts out some of these numbers and whatnot. And reading his latest article um, about the offenses around the NFL, it is interesting to say the least. Offenses are down across the league, not just this year, over the last two years, ever since 2010. This is kind of the worst two-year stretch since 2010. And why 2010, Scott? Well, 2010 is when the league started to crack down on the quarterback hits and they started to to crack down on some of these penalties that would aid the offenses a little bit more. And after 2010, you started to see numbers skyrocket. Uh, the points across the league skyrocketed, but not the last couple years. Does that mean defenses have caught up? 
So here are some numbers. The average combined points over the last two years are the lowest in a two-year span in the last decade. So since 2010, right? So the last like 10 to 12 seasons. It's the lowest in the last decade. Scoring, we talked about it being down just now. Only 38.5% of games have gone over their predicted point total. 38.5% of games. Well, what does that mean? That's the lowest rate since 1991. Wait a minute now. You mean to tell me we are back in the 90s? 1991. So through six weeks, there have been 245 passing touchdowns. Sounds like a lot, right? But in 2018, there were 328. In 2020, 318. In 2021, 321. So 2021, 321 passing touchdowns down to 245, almost a 25% decrease in a matter of two seasons. One season, really, when you look at 2022, was only 257, and then this year is 245. Our defense is catching up. Is the league coming full circle? Is history repeating itself? I know last year uh, we saw the league, I believe it was the highest yards per carry from a running from rushing standpoint <laughs> since like the 30s or something crazy, right? Because each year the league started to turn into a passing league. But I just find this really interesting because, look, I, I'm not saying I'm all for an antiquated offense at all. I absolutely do not want that. But I just find it interesting that, this is what's happening across the league, but I don't think the Cowboys should aid that on the offensive side of the ball. No, 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 no. You, you don't need to do that. But take away the Cowboys in general. You can look at some of these numbers here, and the drop, again, around 25%. Average points per game between weeks one through six are all the way down to 43.4. Last year, 43.3. You can see the dip that you're, you're having there, the lowest since 2011 in regards to the odds makers, average point total between weeks one through six. It's down. And I don't necessarily have a legitimate explanation for it, Cowboys Nation. Maybe it's just the league's coming full circle, right? But again, I just don't want to see our team aid them on that side of the ball. Where I'd like to see the Cowboys continue to aid those numbers, though, is on the defensive side of the ball. And I do think the Cowboys are responsible for a lot of those numbers this year. And we're going to break that down uh, later, especially given what happened this past Monday. Uh, but before we do that, let's break some of that down. Let's wrap to our guy, Patrick Nosey Walker of the sci of the scientific method of DallasCowboys.com for the scientific method. Let's do it. I mean, Pat, you are of the scientific method, but from DallasCowboys.com. You are wrong, right? No, we're not wrong. <laughs> Just worded it wrong. Good morning, good brother. What's up, my friend? How, how you doing, man, after this, this marvelous victory? And I don't care what anybody say. I don't care if it was ugly, if it was gritty, not pretty. It was a marvelous victory. How we feeling on this Thursday? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, um, this week's uh, segment of the Science Lab drops in one hour from now, give or take. And, um, I mean, I'll go ahead and spoil the title for you guys. Make sure you go and read it anyway. But the title of it is Win Ugly, Win Pretty, Just Go Win. 
and that's basically how I felt coming out of Los Angeles. Where, you know, the Cowboys sooner or later were going to have to prove that they could win a close game. I mean, they blew out the first two opponents. You lose to Arizona, you come back, you bounce back, and you, you know, have Bill, Bill Belichick the worst loss of his coaching career, and then you suffer the worst loss of uh, Mike McCarthy's coaching career. But through none of those games, including Arizona, none of those games were particularly close. I mean, Arizona was close up until I think the middle of the second quarter. Then you know they kind of started running away with that and demoralizing yeah. the Cowboys. But this is the first game, you know, the one against the Chargers, wherein the Cowboys found themselves in a back alley brawl for the entirety of the game. As a matter of fact, even before the game, with the pregame antics, you know, a little bit of scuffle going on between the two teams. And, I mean, that set the tone for the whole afternoon, the whole evening, I should say. So, you know, kudos to the Cowboys. They, they stepped in and got the job done. It showed that uh, this is not the Jason Garrett Cowboys. I mean, when I, – I, I know a lot of people were saying when Trevor – not Trevor Lewis, I'm sorry. When Justin Herbert got the ball back, they were like, oh, here we go. And Michael Parsons, he got that offside, and they were like, oh, yep, here we go. Michael was like, yeah, nah. Yeah, nah, nah. And then Gilmore was like, yeah, nah. Nah, nah. Nah, nah. <laughs> so put those to those boys for getting, put those to those boys for getting it done. Hey, you talked about that scuffle. Uh, the sounds of the sidelines drop, and, and those boys, if, it seemed like the scuffle kind of got them fired up. Uh, uh, Demarcus Lawrence was pissed off after that, and you saw this defense go out there and again aid against these numbers that are happening across the league. So if it takes that, I, look, if it takes that, and everybody's saying this right now about the Cowboys, be the villain then. I'm not saying go out there and, and, and be – no, I am saying this. Go out there and be the bully. People get mad. I was at, say, yeah. People hey. get mad at Trent. Yeah, nah, don't. I don't care. Go out there and if you gotta go, you know, get in front of a kicker while he's kicking. If you gotta go out there and, and mug mug the uh, the running back in Austin Eckler, do it, man. Set that tone early. I'm with that. And and after the scuffle happened, I mean, I tweeted. I was like, this is this is the energy I'm here for. Like, this is what we're talking about. This is what I want. I mean, go out there and be the bad guy. No more, Mr. Nice Guy. Mr. Nice Guy has, has gotten you a 28-year Super Bowl drought. No more, Mr. Nice Guy. Embrace the villain role. Lean into it completely. Just go full Heath Ledger Joker, right? Some people just want to watch the world burn, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, and, I, and I love that after the scuffle, you, like you said, uh, in Sounds of the Sideline, what Tank said, you know, he was like, they got to get it now. They got to get it. They got to get right? it. Right, for the disrespect. So, you know, and Tank went out there and, and had another another great game as far as him and that run defense and protecting the edge and disrupting plays and I mean they, they it was it was wonderful. Could it have been better? Yes, it could have been, it could have been better as far as you know. Got to get rid of those penalties, please, please, yeah. for the love of everything that is holy, stop getting flagged, <laughs> please. But yeah. to be able to overcome that type of adversity. Um, and still have the game close on the road against an, an offensive coordinator that is very familiar with your defensive coordinator and your defense, and he still, Kellen Moore, still ended up taking the L because at the end of the day, playmakers are asked to make plays, and Michael Parsons stepped up, and Stephon Gilmore stepped up, and, you know, those guys, they just they got the job done. And Dak Prescott stepped up, best game of the season for him, hell of a bounce back game for him after yeah. – after the worst game of the season against the 49ers. So, yeah, Dak willed the offense uh, to, to production, and then the defense took care of the rest. Pat, I always ask you about the vibes around the team because you, you are there, and, and I said this about you yesterday, man. You 
you have a, such a, an immense respect in that locker room, in that building, that you're able, in my opinion, uh, to, to gain an edge on knowing what's going on around there more than maybe anybody there, just because of the respect you have with those players and coaches. So that's why I think it's important for me to ask you these questions, because you can give us some insight here. But what is the, what was the vibe like on that plane ride back, or what is the vibe like in that building this week being 4-2 and two, instead of 3-3 three and three on a two-game slot? Well, you know, the funny thing is is when Stephon Gilmore picked off that ball and sealed the game, you saw Mike McCarthy throw both arms up and celebrate. You saw Dan hit him with the fish. Right. But when you get when you got through the locker room and you got back on the plane, it was business as usual. Everybody was pretty much buttoned up. You had half the guys uh, had their tablets out watching film. And the other guys were asleep because, I mean, that was an emotionally and physically exhausting game that they mm-hmm. had just played. But, I mean, it, it wasn't popping bottles. It wasn't high-fiving. No. It wasn't a lot of, you know, playing around. Like, guys were, you know, on their – they were watching film of that game. I think we might have Pat going underneath the tunnel here. Pat, you go, you're going in yeah, and out. You got me? Got you now. Yep. Okay. So yeah, I mean it was it was business as usual by the time everybody got on the plane and then uh, in the building this week, you know, I had some conversations with uh, when the players weren't there because the players had gone for the bye week, but I had conversations with some assistant coaches like Al Harris, Gerday, uh, Robert Prince, just a lot of these different assistant coaches, and the tone was very business as usual as far as you know a little bit. Be honest, there's a little bit of sigh of relief. One particular coach, or one coach in particular, I can say it that way. One coach in particular, I, I jokingly walked up to him, and I was like, "Thank you, saving me from two weeks of hearing about you know all oh, the Cowboys on two game losing streak, they're pretenders, et cetera, et cetera." Just kind of jokingly, half jokingly, I should say. And he looked at me and he smiled and he was like, "You and me both, man." <laughs> <laughs> so, so a little bit of a sigh of relief, which kind of goes to what Dak Prescott was saying when he said. Uh, so I didn't really hear, and you're not going to hear too much because it's the bye week, but maybe you, you kind of are uh, plugged in down there and you can maybe give us, shed some light on the injury situation. Um, was anyone nicked up coming out of this game that hasn't really been, has been told to the public yet? There was nothing that has been reported coming out of that game. Nothing that was reported during the game, after the game, or at any point this week uh, up to us having this conversation. Okay. So, I, I presume that the Cowboys came out completely clean as far as not suffering any new injuries. Uh, and if there's any, if there are any that are small that might have been suffered in that game, I mean, that, they have two weeks to recover from that. But obviously it's nothing that requires them to kind of put it out. This person is dealing with this or this person is dealing with that. We'll say for that will be next week. I mean, we won't have an injury report again until next week. Right. So if there were, if there is anyone that came out, you know, with a little bit of a nick um, from the Chargers game, I mean, we won't know about it until next Wednesday when the first injury report comes out. But just, you know, me having conversations with people, uh, sounds like they came out fairly clean, which is a, a big win going into the bye week. Great news to hear. Now, there was a particular young player going into the game that popped up on the injury report, I believe, Friday maybe, uh, and Wanye Thomas I believe it was a hamstring situation, and we kind of saw him limping. 
is there any further updates on, on Wanye's situation, and, and do you feel like maybe possibly he could return for that Rams game? I think he has a good shot at returning. Um, and I think he, he popped up as early as last Thursday. Thursday, okay. And because it was kind of a, yeah, kind of a surprise, and um, then I saw him in the rehab group, and then after practice on Thursday, I caught up with him in the locker room. Um, and because the injury had, report hadn't come out yet, and so I was trying to figure out what the injury was and where it came from. Uh, and he told me it was a hamstring, and he said that um, he well, I didn't. He didn't say that he wasn't going to play, but he intimated that it didn't look good. Because when I asked him, I said, "Hey, so how do you look for Monday? Are we still going to have you out there?" And he was like, eh, "I don't know." I was like, "Okay." And then that made sense when you looked at the injury report. Uh, DMP on Thursday, DMP on Friday, and then Saturday he was listed as doubtful, which carried the tone of my tweets when it came to Wanya when people were asking, "Well, are you going to play?" I was like, it's not looking too good. Now, I will say it doesn't sound like it's a severe uh, hamstring injury. So he has a great chance, as we have this conversation, of going through the bye week, getting that extra week of rest, and being back on the field when they host the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, But, of course, the Cowboys are going to have to test it. He's going to start out likely in the rehab group next Wednesday, and they'll see if they can put him in a limited capacity. And if he is good to go there, then he should be all set. Excellent. We got Patrick Nosey-Walker, DallasCowboys.com. If you're not familiar, uh, he is one of the host co-hosts on the panel of Cowboys Break, right? So I've yeah. got a couple questions that I want to talk about the Cowboys at the break. All right, you see that there? Play on break. Mm, look at that. At That's the break. I, I, now tell Derek. T- tell ball. Derek. Look, man, I ain't say Cowboys Break. I said at the break. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we good. I got, it. I got, it. I got. It. It's covered. It's covered. Good. <laughs> What would you like to see more coming out of the bye week? Explosiveness. Mm-hmm. Now, that's low-hanging fruit, so let me let me specify a little bit more. I want to see the Cowboys start to exploit the deep middle of the field. Yeah, man. I almost jumped out of my seat in that press box when I saw uh, that 23-yard connection down the middle of the field, 20-plus yards down the middle of the field. Still, when I tell you that is literally the first 20-plus yard um, pass completion and pass attempt this season Jeez. by the Cowboys. You know how troubling that is to, to ask? I mean, like, look, at that means you're only forcing the opposing secondary to cover two-thirds of the field. And that goes to one of the main reasons why they're having issues with locating explosiveness is because I feel like they swung the pendulum too far to the left and yeah. said, well, Dak Prescott had 15 interceptions, and we know that's not normally Dak Prescott, but where most of them come from, oh, you know, lack of timing, middle of the field with CeeDee Lamb and things like that. So they completely stopped attacking the middle of the field. I want to see them get back to that. I really do. I also want to see what we saw in Los Angeles with, with Dak's mobility, using his leg. Let's mix in some run pass options. Uh, you know, you got an 18-yard touchdown on that because Dak has the ability to do that. 11-yard gain, a run first down, uh, escaped a sack, a would-be sack, bought time for Tony Pollard to get open, dump it off to Tony, he takes it and makes it a 60-yard play. So those are the two biggest things. I know clean-up penalties, that's an easy fix. Just fix that by not committing penalties. But when it comes to what needs a concerted effort, the concerted effort for me has to go with uh, attack the deep middle, Dak needs to use his legs more. Those are the two main things I want to see happen that I feel like is more of a scheme thing than yeah. looking at an individual player and saying, hey, don't line up offside. 
Let me let me run this by you for ideas to attack that. Uh, two two things we we've seen Dak throughout his career be a guy that loves to hit the tight end on those seam routes, uh, and it used to be the same way with CD Lamb too. But I think teams now are, are becoming used to seeing CD Lamb if he doesn't go in motion and he's in that slot nine times out of ten he he'll run the seam and they'll just bracket him with two or three guys. But with the tight end, you're going to get a lot of one-on-ones down there. So maybe taking some more shots up the seam to the tight end. And then the other one would be, let's see some more deep overs or some some deep digs, you know, some dagger route concepts where we, we run off that safety and we send CeeDee Lamb or Brandon Cooks deep into the middle of the field and we can hit them on those crossing routes. But those are kind of two things that I'd be interested to, to see them do more of in regards to attacking the middle of the field. What do you think? No, 100%. And I think that, I feel like there needs to be compromise until they come off of the anxiety that exists with the deep middle part of the field. And I think the the main thing to do there is you utilize Jake Ferguson and utilize uh, Luke Schoolmaker. I realize Schoolmaker's still trying to get his NFL legs. Also, keep in mind, this is a, a rookie who didn't have training camp at all for the most part. So give him a moment. Um, but Jake Ferguson, he's already, you know, leveled up. You're seeing this in a big way. He's leveled up his, his route running. If you go back and look at the film from the Chargers game, although he wasn't targeted often, which was kind of uh, anomalous from the previous three games when he was targeted fairly heavily, um, go back and look at that Chargers film. He was open a lot, particularly down the middle. So that's an area that I think should be exploited using Jake Ferguson and let that happen to allow the comfort to start setting in with Mike McCarthy to say, you know what, the deep middle is really not the boogeyman that we maybe thought it was. So now you can start utilizing CeeDee Lamb on those deep posts and, uh, you know, Brandon Cooks on those deep posts and things like that. So I think, yeah, you've you got to nail down. Let's use those tight ends down the seam, which is something that we really haven't seen uh, in this offense just yet this year. Use that as a stabilizing force. It's kind of the security blanket to say, hey, man, that's really not the boogeyman. That we, you know, we need to attack that because it's, it's open. Yeah, one more before I get you going here. You're at the break unsung hero for this team? Uh, I I want to go with Marquise Bell, but I'm going to go with Osa Odigizu. Mm. And, and that's because, yeah, that's because Osa has leveled up exponentially over last year, which was an exponential level up over the previous year. Like the amount of improvement that he continues to show on a year-to-year basis, yeah. month-to-month basis, game-to-game basis is unbelievable. Believable, and it's overshadowed only by the fact that he plays on a defensive line with Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. Yep. If if not for Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons, Osa Odigizuwa would be a headline name in the NFL. His disruptions are some of the best in the league. He's top three, I believe, in stuffing the run. He's top five in getting in the opposing backfield. He's one of the team leaders in sacks. Uh, he's a team leader in pressures, and he does all of this from the defensive interior. This is – I'm not saying he's Aaron Donald. That's not what I'm saying. But his performance is very Aaron Donald-esque. Mm-hmm. So, for me, it's definitely Osa because a lot of people are starting to realize, but it, they should have realized already that this guy is something special. And his work ethic just makes it that much better. Oh, I got more on Osa a little bit later, but you're absolutely right. And if you guys haven't checked out 
Uh, go listen to what Coach AD said about him, and, and we'll actually play that a little bit later. But appreciate you, Pat. I know you got to get going here, man. Um, you said that your science lab is dropping 10 a.m. today, right? Yeah, scheduled to drop 10 a.m., give or take. I'll have to double-check and make sure that they drop that on time. But it'll be out this morning, and I'll drop it on Twitter. So make sure you, ladies and gentlemen, check that out. Your double dose of science. You get the scientific method, you can get the science lab. Patrick Nosey Walker, DallasCowboys.com. Appreciate you, brother. Always, my friend. Talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Fire emojis for our guy, Patrick Nosey Walker. You know, we are getting really good at being able to get some good stuff out of Pat in a, in a 15-minute increment. I, I, I apologize. I kind of spoiled y'all a little bit when we first was doing this. Me and Pat were going 25, 30 minutes, and then we we kind of knew the season would come, and, and he had some other obligations. But I think we're doing a pretty damn good job being able to get some good things out of Pat, um, you know, prior to him doing the things he needs to do down there for .com. Appreciate y'all for sticking around. All right, so. Y'all know how we do. Quick little break. We're going to come back. We're going to jump into Sky Optics. And we're actually going to talk about Osa and Sky Optics at, in great detail because he's right. He he didn't want to quite say Aaron Donald. I'm not saying this guy's AD. But you look at some of the analytics and you look at some of the film, the dude is doing AD-ish type of thing. So uh, real quick, about 30 seconds, we'll come right back and we'll jump into Sky Optics. You're listening to A to Z Sports. Do it live! At some point, hoping to broadcast in front of the millions of Cowboys fans to bring you the real. But for now, strap up and here's your host, Skywalker Steel. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. We'll do it live. Well, I, I saw Skynet and I thought, oh, shh. Here we go. Thought it was messing up, but no, we're clean right now, right? <laughs> ain't been, it ain't been jumping for y'all. It ain't been cutting y'all out. Think we good to go. Now we lost, we lost Pat a little bit there uh, throughout the the call. Maybe he was going under a bridge on the way to work, but pushed through it as we always do. No big deal. No big deal. All right, let's jump into Sky Optics. We're going to hit. A little bit of the film room, too. And obviously, if you guys want to call in, uh, you can. 351-999-3787 is the call-in line. Let's do it. So what did I see going back, watching some of that film? I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about this front seven because it was an absolute terror in this game. An absolute terror in this game. And I know y'all saw the stat. Um, that dropped, was it after the game or during the game or something like that, when the Cowboys have, what is it, like 15-plus pressures? Y'all can give me the exact number. There's something like 17-2 and two over the last, since 2021. 17-2 when the Cowboys' defense has over 15 pressures or something like that. It might, it might be like 19 or 20, but between Micah and, and Osa alone, they had 15 pressures, so it didn't really matter. But this front seven is as advertised. Is it, is it a perfect defense? Is it a perfect front seven? No. Close. No. But if you don't have the scheme, if you don't have the dudes up front, they're going to cause you problems. And I want to start with one of the guys who, you know, he talked about also being an unsung hero. Uh, I'm going to go to a guy that's even more unsung, in my opinion, 
And that's Jonathan Hankins. Y'all, y'all know how I feel about Jonathan Hankins. After the Cowboys acquired him and the way he played for Dallas last year, I became a huge fan favorite of the big guy because I did think he made a difference on this team. And I'm not saying completely by itself, but I just do think there is a real visual, physical defense uh, difference when he's on the field and when he's not, or when teams try to run down the middle when he's on the field and when he's not. And I had tweeted this yesterday. I said, Hankins will never fill the box score up, but he's an underrated guy on this defense when it comes to defending the run in the middle of the defense. Aside from Arizona, they've checked big name running backs throughout the season. Austin Eckler finished with 1.9 yards per carry in this game. Christian McCaffrey, 2.7 yards per carry. Zeke, 2.7 and if you want to look at Ramondre Stevenson, he was even worse. He was at 2.3. Um, uh, Bryce Hall, 2.3. Dalvin Cook, 1.8. Saquon Barkley averaged 4.3, but I think most of that was on the first drive of the game. And if you guys recall, uh, there was a couple plays where he wasn't even on the field, and uh, Barkley was able to get a couple yards there. So the Cowboys' defense, I know run defense, gets a, a lot of flat, and especially because of what happened to them in Arizona. But when you really 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 dissected yes Arizona happened we can't ignore it but we're talking about six games not five I know you said well Scott they rushed for 170 talking about the 49ers well end of the game you're not really throwing anymore we're running they they ripped off a 26 yarder at the end he's not in the game it's it's pretty much a wrap but when you look at this I come away from this very encouraged about what could be moving forward And I'm not saying he is the sole reason for holding these guys in check, but when you put on the film, he is a big reason. And it was uncharacteristic what we saw in that Arizona game, jumping gaps, and and not it was just a sloppy game defensively all around. Uh, I don't think it's been that type of sloppy game defensively from the run standpoint since. That that to me, and I know we see 170 yards and we're we're going to look at it and say, well, talking about the San Francisco game. Well, they ran all over you. Eh, Christian McCaffrey had like 19 carries and he couldn't get off. Uh, The Mason kid, he was running hard, but until he broke the 26-yarder, he really wasn't going crazy on you. A couple end-arounds from uh, the running back wide receiver, Debo Samuels, they hit you off with a couple big games. But I think the run defense, particularly in the middle of the field, has been as advertised, in my opinion. And that may be controversial, but... I feel pretty good about having Jonathan Hankins on this team, and I feel pretty good about him being paired with a guy like Osa. And we'll get to Mazza here in a second. So Jonathan Hankins, he stood out again. Um, you know, he, he made his presence felt. He'll, again, he'll never fill the stat sheet up. Uh, somebody on Twitter was like, I just don't get it, man. I see a lot of people come out after games and, and look at the film, and, 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 and Hankins was an impact but then PFF will give him like a 40 grade. <laughs> I'm like, man, I, I don't know what to tell you about how they, how they grade and, and, and that position might still be something they're working on. I don't know. He's not going to be a pass rush guy. He's not going to be a quick guy. He's going to be clogged in lanes. He can actually close down uh, when it comes to running sideline, to, not say sideline to sideline, but closing down the line of scrimmage. He does that really well. He's extremely smart, extremely play strength strong. And I just think a really underrated guy on this defense is Jonathan Hankins. Michael Parsons was incredible. Incredible. 
I don't give a – people talking about, oh, he didn't have a sack to the end of the game. Watch it. Just go back and watch it. As you see right there, the dude's being held. That wasn't the first time he's being held. If you go watch the um, so- sounds of sidelines, it's so funny because I put a couple screenshots out on Twitter, and I'm like, hey, on one of those double moves that we're all talking about where bro was wide open, it shouldn't even have been. Michael was about to get DDT'd by Pipkins. He was making Pipkins look like Pippi Longstockings in that game. Seriously. Dude gave up like five pressures. He had two or three penalties. All of them I felt like were on Micah. And on that double move, if Micah's not put in a DDT, you know, death drop, he likely sacks the quarterback. They didn't throw the flag. It is what it is. But if you go watch sounds of the sideline, he's saying, hey, coach, because I think the coach said something to him about, hey, why didn't you yada, yada, yada? And Micah said, hey, coach, go look. My man had me in a death grip. I, I, I couldn't do nothing. And he, he saw it on uh, the, the screen. He's like, oh, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. You got, you got locked up there in the head. So Michael Parsons absolutely is a terror. I think he's the most electrifying pass rusher in the league, uh, the most dangerous speed to power guy. He led the team again with eight pressures. I believe that's the fourth time he's had at least six pressures in a game this season. I don't know how many other players are, are, have done that, but that's the fourth time he's done it. Um and I just think the dude is just incredible. I don't care if he gets a sack. He's still impactful on the game. Who else? Demarcus Lawrence. Because we're talking about this front seven here before I move forward. D-Law. Let me, let me bring y'all back here. Because I want to talk to y'all here. D-Law has to be like a top five most underrated defensive player in the league. Is that, is that, is that me being a homer? Is that me being Cowboy-centric? Because I'm pretty sure there's somebody on Cincinnati. Maybe there's somebody on Miami. There's guys around the league. But I just feel like D-Law is one of the best, maybe top five all-around defensive ends in the league. We've been saying that for a while. A lot of people want the sacks because of the, the pay that he was getting in previous years. But he's not being paid like that anymore. So I'm fine if he finishes the season with six or seven sacks. And he's one of the best, if not the best, run defenders on the league. If he's the leader in the locker room, if he's constantly rushing the quarterback and pushing these sacks to other guys as well, I'm good with that. Some people not. Some people want the 15 sacks. I've seen 15 sacks essentially be empty calories on this team specifically. I've seen it be 18 and a half sacks be empty calories in the league too. If you give me six to eight sacks, but he's a dominant force against the run. He's continuing to pressure the quarterback. He's helping other guys out. I take that, man. I feel like Demarcus Lawrence has to be like a top five underrated player on defense in this league. He, again, if you integrates, I think he has a higher grade than Micah, but he's like 91 overall. He's one of the few guys who has a plus 90 pass rush grade and a plus 86 uh, run stop grade uh, if you're integrates. I don't give a dang about the grades. I can watch him and tell you that this dude is a beast. So I just wanted to make sure we give D-Law his flowers. Uh, He finished the game with four pressures. He had two bat downs, huge bat downs, by the way. And he had three stops. And if you go watch um, Baldy, it was was Brian Brodinger's little breakdown on one of his plays. I mean, just, again, when you got a guy like Hankins and a guy like Demarcus Lawrence, you know, these guys won't wow you in regards to their athleticism, but they play the game with such effort, right? This bell-to-bell effort. 
with such effort, with a, a high football acumen, and they have the football play strength and the football quickness enough to get to where they need to get to to make a play. These two dudes are are unsung heroes to me on this defense. No doubt about it, man. D-Law's that guy. Mozzie Smith. I think he's continuing to grow, Cowboys Nation. Uh, somebody asked me that when I dropped a Jonathan Hankins. And somebody also said, because I put a tweet out, I showed a tweet where Mozzie Smith was just strong arm. And I mean, he just absolutely lifted Zion. Was it Zion? Is it Zion Johnson who they got? I believe it's Zion Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zion Johnson. Uh, I mean, lifted this dude, pushed him to the backfield. Will Clapp had to come over and double team him. He tries to get him off his spot. Mozzie, you know, keeps his leg strength. And then he just leans in the Will Clapp with one hand and just pushes Will Clapp about two to three yards. <laughs> and I put on Twitter, hey, man, when Mozzie figures this thing out, it's going to be fun. And I got a response that said, Ah, when's a dangerous word because when Taco figures out, when Michael Gallup is healthy, when Tyron Smith, you know, remains healthy, you're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute now. You're thinking about this way too deep here. We're talking about a rookie in his sixth game. I'm not saying when he figures it out, he's going to be, you know, some all pro amazing player. I'm just quite literally saying when he figures out how to play the NFL game, he's going to be fun to watch. That doesn't mean he's going to be TJ Watt or Aaron Donald. But he obviously has the physical tools. It's just about putting it together and learning the game of football. And it's really hard to do that as a, a defensive lineman coming into the game, uh, specifically like one text. You know, I still think he's ma- he's gradually making an impact, especially in this game. And I think by season's end, he will obviously be, be better week 12 than he was in week two. That's just how it goes, man. But don't don't take it from me. Here's Coach AD on Mozzie Smith and his growth so far. Mm, that's a good question. A lot, you know, like, and I think when, I think we we sometimes take it for granted when you come in the game as a first-round pick, you know, like the pressure that's on you, the game that you've got, like, like college football, I, I'm not from, I never was in London, played in college, or I didn't come in. But the game is a lot different, you know, like the way they get told plays, like a lot of them, they're, they're getting like 80 snaps a game, you know, like the, the play's moving fast, the coordinator's telling them they don't have to listen to communication. Now all of that's changed, you know, you get into a huddle, someone gives you the communication, you line up, now what am I getting? These things are changing, I think, as we're going through this, Marzi's growth and understanding of how to play the game at that level, is growing. You can see week in, week out, he's making marginal gains, and that's what it's about. It's not about like you know, going. Like he's around a good group of players that he's in a position where he can grow, and he's in the right place. He's doing good. Really happy for him. It's Tuesday, isn't it? Y'all, that's my favorite coach, man. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Look, one of my favorite things about the bye week is listening to the assistant coaches, but Coach AD is my guy. Oh, Coach AD could play a a British spy in 007, and I'd watch. I'd 100% watch. I'm really rooting for him to become a head coach, by the way, like for real. But anyway, I'm getting off track here. Mozzie Smith is growing, man. That's all. 
and, and and a lot of people we talked about this yesterday uh, some people are ready to throw the baby out the bathwater right to say that right this time with this draft class we, we we did understand right that this draft class wasn't about to come in here and, and overtake a bunch of these guys on this team because this team was kind of already complete you needed this draft class to just make sure they played their roles when their name was called upon and Mozzie is gradually improving. You saw it. You heard him. Marginal difference. Like he's making a marginal difference or improvement every single game. So that's all we want to see out of Mozzie Smith. Love to hear. It. But y'all, Osa, what he said about Osa, he talked about his growth as well. And he talked about how he's growing, why he's growing, and where he's having the biggest impact in year three. Now, this Osa one is a little bit longer. I think it goes about two minutes, but I promise you, you want to just listen to to him talk about Osa, man. And 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 I've got a couple things uh, that he mentioned there that I want to dive into a bit. But here is Coach AD on Osa Digizua. You know, like you guys see Osa every week, like, and you probably see him in the locker room and you talk to him. He is just such a great person, like, and the amount of work he's like. You talk about development. If you look in year on year out, Osa's made progress. Like his game is growing and he's always trying to un- unturn a stone to say, okay, how can I grow here? Like I was literally just making a tape upstairs. Literally. This is bi week and he wants to tape. Do you know, like, so it's like, it's how does he grow? How does he affect the game in different areas? And he is like, he's one of the, un- is, you talk about him being an unsung player in our defense, but he's one of the unsung leaders in our room. Like he, like, he does stuff that has given other people structure as a professional through the week and he's like created that and he's done a he's done an unbelievable job in what in many different ways in the run game you can see like last week how he showed up in the run game he has seven tackles like in the past game he affects the quarterback his game running his ability to communicate and understand when's the right time to run a game some of that's on them in the defense um it just goes up and up and he uses experiences of making mistakes to not make the mistakes it's like and you see those things show up in the game, like like when he saw, he had an up last week where he knew there was a puller coming and he shot the gap and made a TFL. Do you know, like, those little things are like growth in his game where someone, if you haven't got the confidence and you haven't put in the work, you might know that they're going to do that, but you won't do that to go and make the play. You're just going to do your job and you're going to play back into the centre. Like, the guys that make those real plays play with a level of confidence that allow them to make plays, not outside of the system, but they use the system to make the plays. And that's where he, I feel like his game is going right now. This bloody bloke. He's so good, man. So he said a couple of things there. Um, one of them. He said he's done stuff that's given other people structure throughout the week. He said he's not just an underrated player, but he's an underrated leader in the locker room. This is a year three guy, man. You know, this is a year three player who's, we wouldn't know this, right? Because we've got guys like Micah and guys like Demarcus Lawrence who are, are much louder, right? Much louder. But Osa is is helping guys out throughout the, throughout, the, throughout the week with some of the structure things. He's a leader in the locker room. I love to hear that, man. Absolutely love to hear that because I do think this is a guy that needs to be around uh, for longer. And y'all know what I mean by that. I means by an extension, but especially because he plays a position that Cowboys ain't had this type of impact since prime Jay Ratliff. And once you get these type of guys on the interior, you need to build on top of it. 
I also put this out on Twitter as well. There is a noticeable difference. Noticeable, sizable. When Osa is on the field and when he's off of it. When Neville Gallimore is out there and not Osa. Or when Chauncey Golson is out there and not Osa. And that's a testament to his growth. That's not a knock on those gentlemen. That's a testament to the growth of his game. To where he's becoming a guy, a player that you don't want to take off the field, nor should you take off the field. Now, here's the thing. Dan Quinn, you know, they, they have a really, really strict snap count. They, they really don't play about that. Um, well, now I got to pull this back up. They really don't play about the strict snap count. They want to keep these guys 35 or so snaps. They, they, they don't want to go over, you know, 50% of the snaps. But sometimes there are players that just break the rules, man. And I feel like Osa, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like Osa is becoming a guy that is now breaking that rule. Um, there's players, Micah Parsons. Micah's going to usually play anywhere between 75, 85% of the snaps. He's a different animal. I'm not saying Osa is Micah. I'm saying Osa should be on the field just as much because it, it's going to get to a point where you can't deny players who are making plays for you or being impactful players more often than not. And I feel like Osa is doing that. You know, right now on the interior, um, he's facing the second most, actually he's facing double team 66% of the time, but he has the second best pass rush win rate on the interior. It's better than guys like Aaron Donald, better than, you know, these pro bowl, all pro type guys. Again, I ain't saying he AD, but the impact is really good, right? Like he's actually getting doubled more than AD and obviously he's beating that more than ad at this point so you know osa's hovering around at 40 some percent 50 sometimes percent maybe it'll go over a little bit i think that needs to go up i feel like osa digizua needs to start playing around 70 75 percent of the snaps because i think he's built himself physically right to the point to be able to do it mentally he's obviously getting there there was something else that uh, coach said that was interesting to me because y'all know I always talked about this. I say, man, we run a lot of we run a lot of stunts, you know. And, and, and sometimes I'm like, man, this looks sloppy. Like it doesn't look like everybody on the same page. But I don't know if y'all caught this. And again, go back and watch the interview. He says sometimes the stunt calls are on them, and he said he does a good job of knowing when to stunt. And once I heard that, it kind of was a, a aha moment. Like, oh, okay. Maybe that's why we stunting so much. Maybe that's why one one guy will be firing inside on the stunt. The other guy is not. Maybe that's why one guy might be looping and the other guy is not trying to take out uh, that player's uh, responsibility. And I had to laugh when I was watching the film yesterday. I just had to laugh a little bit at Micah because Micah, boy, Micah's a... People, people look at Micah and he's not a traditional defensive end, but he fires off. And he'll hit you with power like a defensive end. He knocked down Osa, and he knocked down, I think it was uh, Mozzie Smith. That ain't easy to do. Because he's just upfield, and boom, he's inside real fast. And it looks like he's doing a stunt, right? Trying to loop or something like that. (laughs) Where Osa and Mozzie just ain't ready for it, dog. And he just runs those dudes over. So I'm wondering if they just have to, hey, this is the time we're going to stunt. And I don't mind them giving them that responsibility because they understand, like, they're out there playing. They know when this guard or this center or this tackle is set in a certain way or expecting a certain thing. 
they have that chemistry to build on it. And I'm not going to complain about it because the Cowboys have the best pass rush, I think, in the league. So continue to do what you do. I just thought it was funny seeing Mike kind of just, just bowl over his guys, you know, getting to the pass rusher. And he affected the quarterback. The quarterback rolls out, so he did pressure him. But I think that's why sometimes we see these stunts and we're like, okay, that that's why we're doing it so much. Or that's why maybe one guy's doing it, maybe the other guy isn't. So your front seven was a terror. I wanted to feature Osa and Mozzie because I think that is the future of your interior, right? Hankins is 30-plus. He's not going to be here forever. Um, Osa should be here for quite some time. And it's good to hear Coach AD uh, speak on these two dudes, and, and I just wanted to feature those guys. The linebackers are also part of the front seven. And yesterday, you saw the Damone Clark and Marquise Bell debut get off to a good start. You did. Damone Clark, I said this, uh, I had this in my notes. He was much better with his eyes than he had been prior. This is a team, and I said this in the pregame show, right? You just got to weather the storm of Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore is going to throw out all the fun, fancy stuff at the beginning of the games, but then he kind of just bogs it back down. He, this isn't Shanahan or or uh, McVay or McDaniels, where they're kind of throwing that stuff at you throughout the game. But even when he did, you saw Damone Clark be much better with his eyes and keep that kind of clickability that he has and that agility that he has. There is there is that to his game. What What he is not, and I think a lot of people get upset and it turns people off. He's not a thumper. And I think it's kind of like music now, right? Like if you listen to music, this new music and you listen it listening or listening to it to get a 90s feel or for lyrics or anything like that, you ain't going to feel it. But if you alter your lenses a bit, maybe certain artists you you appreciate, not a whole bunch of them. Maybe certain artists you appreciate. That's how I look at Damone Clark. I'm not looking at Damone Clark as some dumper. That's not his game. What he is good at, how he can win, and where he does win is with his agility, is with that clickability, is with his speed and athleticism. If you want to be a thumper, it ain't going to happen. You ain't going to like him. But if you actually watch him play, and you can appreciate how he's able to diagnose, you appreciate how he's able to use his athleticism and his agility to make stops, I think you come away from the game saying, not just this game, but from his game, saying, okay, this is how we can use him. Will-type linebacker situations. Keep him clean. Allow him to run. Allow him to diagnose. He is getting better in between the ears. That's where we want to see him get better at because he has the athletic ability. So, really good game for Damone Clark out there. And obviously, a hell of a game for Marquise Bell. A hell of a game for Marquise Bell. He shouts out to... Reed Hansen. The Cowboys defensive EPA jumps from fourth in the NFL to second when he's out there. And their success rate jumps from 14th to first when he's out there. And it's always for me about keeping that kid clean. If you keep Marquise Bell clean, that guy can go. And what I really, really liked about his game, I know he had five stops. Awesome. That ties the season high of week one. But what stood out to me, Cowboys Nation, it was also his ability to see it and understand it and get better throughout the game. What I mean by that is the very first possession, 
the Chargers ran a screen. Bell saw it. He didn't trust himself. But he saw it, and he didn't quite get... I'm not saying he would have stopped the screen, but he could have obviously altered the screen. He kind of saw it, hesitated a bit, allowed the lineman to kind of get in his way, and it allowed Eckler to stay on track, get upfield, and whatnot. I think he learned from that. And when they tried to run that screen again, Bell saw it, and he ain't waste no time. And he blew up the screen. I don't even think Austin Eckler caught the ball. I think he could, it was an incomplete pass. And from that first possession on, you just saw him click. And you saw that athletic ability. You saw that speed. You saw that downhillness of Marquise Bell. And I think it's going to be a real interesting conversation next year about you know what to do with him uh, because he is still a small guy for the position, but there's, they're, they're riding this thing out. But I do think a, a J. Ron Kurtz role moving forward will be perfect for him unless they want to pack on 15, 20 pounds and say, let's roll you at linebacker. But you got a guy by the name of the Marvion Overshone coming back. So I think that's kind of where he'll slide in. So Marquise Bell, Damone Clark, those two guys were absolutely on fire in this game. And it was also because of the help of their front seven. Now, if you guys don't mind me, I kind of jumped the gun here a little bit. I want to go back to Osa Digizua. Because, I, again, I, I don't know that we give him much, as much appreciation that he needs to have. So, I want to jump into the film room and show you a couple plays that illustrate the growth of Osa, the versatility of Osa, and how he is able to beat you with strength leverage and he's able to beat you with quickness and he showed that throughout this game if you don't know osa's number 97 right here hovering around my cursor and this is the strength part this is the leverage part this is the part where you know he can get into his guy and he's going to jump into and this is this is again nuanced stuff here he's going to jump into pipkins Maintain, look, maintain his leverage at the line of scrimmage. He's not getting pushed around. Just a fantastic run that back. Going to stack him, peak, shed, make the stop at the line of scrimmage. I mean, just good stuff from Osa Digizua. Take a look at it from the other angle, though. Osa's right here. Again, this is also quickness plus strength. Gets into Pipkins, stacks, peaks, sheds. Makes the tackle at the line of scrimmage. So, okay, I can beat you that way. I can maintain the line of scrimmage. I can make you, I can cause accidents, right? Make you have to divert or go a different way because I'm strong enough, even though I'm only 280, which is craziness. I can also beat you like this. Osa Digizua right here, ladies and gentlemen. And it, what makes this so crazy, right, is that he set this up all game. This is in the fourth quarter. Big play. Dips the shoulder on Will Clapp. This is really three, two or three people that he has to deal with here. You got the puller. You got Will Clapp. You got Pipkins, who's trying to help here, who doesn't really care because he got to deal with Michael Parsons. And he almost takes the damn handoff from Justin Herbert. Just great stuff, man, from Osa, who, in my opinion, is having a Pro Bowl type year. Here's the other angle. Of that, so you can see it from our side. No, it's not the other angle. This is the other angle. Here we go. Here we go. 
Osa Digazua right here, number 97. You're going to see the quickness getting to the backfield, the dip. Will clap, basically clapping his hands and making a play in the backfield, man. Osa, just magnificent, man. Magnificent. Week six. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep my composure a little bit here, but I, I do think we're talking about potentially a Pro Bowl year for him. Right now, he is a Pro Bowl player, and y'all know how I feel about that. If you're new around here, when I when I say a Pro Bowl player, I don't mean because he's popular, he plays for the star, or somebody got hurt, and he's a six alternate. No, 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 no. He's quite literally one of the best defensive tackles playing the game right now. That's Osa Digizua. So front seven thought had a fantastic game. Of course, there were some things that that weren't all hunky-dory and great, and a lot of that was was some of what I saw from a coverage standpoint. Now, let me preface this by saying, again, this is why film is important to go back and watch. It definitely wasn't as bad as I thought. You know, watching the game, the emotions are high. You don't know what the hell is going on on the back end because they're not showing it, but it wasn't as bad as, as I thought. Where it was rough, the deep over routes. And obviously the double moves, right? The double moves got bland a couple of times. And, and sometimes you got caught in a mismatch. That's something I wonder if other teams would take a look at where you'd have uh, Keenan Allen on Wilson. You had Keenan Allen on Tyrus Wheat. I mean, you know, half of his yards felt like with the Tyrus Wheat catch in, in on Donovan Wilson. But nonetheless, he had the two overthrows. I get it. But those damn deep over routes, bro. I, I look, man. I don't know how you defend that consistently unless you get to the quarterback. I just don't like. I'm watching. I'm watching this thing, and and the way they're getting Keenan Allen into that deep over or or, or Palmer, right? It, you don't have to be a speedster. And I, and I said this to somebody on Twitter, like the deep over is a cheat code for a team like the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Because of the speed that they have and the way you have to play it is, and if you run it right, you have to guard against, uh, you have to guard against maybe a seven route, maybe maybe a nine route, a go route or whatever. And next thing you know, he's running across your face and there's nothing but green because they cleared it out. So I put on Twitter, you know, hey, former pro defensive backs, the deep over has to be hell to defend for y'all. Like it has to be. And me and Jesse have been calling for the Cowboys to do more of these routes. Now, that recall, that means that your offense line has to be able to block it up. And when the Cowboys were giving Justin Herbert just a little bit enough time to hit those deep overs, he is hitting them because Gilly couldn't run with him or, or uh, there was one, I think, where Donovan Wilson couldn't run with him. Uh, Jordan Lewis, it's just... Re- and I said, this is why I put the tweet out. And I ask y'all, like, how many cornerbacks are shutting down the deep over in man-to-man all game? I was legitimately wanting to know. Because then that would make me feel a little bit better about how much this thing is is open, you know, throughout the season. Now, obviously, if you're caught in man-to-man and you don't have any safety help, you know, you better get to the queue. You better get to the queue because that's just too much green, especially if you got speed for these guys to deal with but I was legitimately concerned or legitimately questioning you know how many of these guys in the league can actually cover that though so is it a personnel issue or is it a schematic issue to deal with that specific that that specific route 
just something I'm pondering. The deep over is unbelievable. It's something that I don't know why more teams don't do it. You see San Fran do it. You see Miami do it because, you know, they, they do a lot of eye candy with it. They do a lot of scheme to get it open. And obviously the speed in Miami is there. But this is just seriously that how how many guys can do it. So that's one of the routes that concern me. Um, from a coverage standpoint, if DB has if DB takes that pick to the crib, pick six, or gets the pick in the end zone, I think I would have invited him to the table. If y'all noticed the grown folk table, he was kind of in the back watching because he did get cooked, you know, a couple times. He missed a tackle. That would have been a touchdown, but there was an illegal man downfield. He had his issues. Same thing with, with, with Gilly. Gilly, the flag really to me was the most the most concerning part about it. Again, I, I have to give a little bit of forgiveness for the deep overs. Those things is hard, especially for a guy like Gilly can't run. You don't even got to be a speedster, but ask him to go from this side of the field to that side of the field and deep over nothing but green. I don't got to throw it to my guy. I got to throw it to a spot. And those, those routes were the roughest for him to deal with. Uh, but what you don't see on the broadcast view are the routes that don't go that way. And I thought for the most part, this wasn't an egregious game covering when they didn't go that way, right? Uh, but the penalty to me was the biggest one for Gilly and then dealing with chasing guys across the across the yard. Like, he's he ain't going to be able to do that all game. You know what I'm saying? He ain't going to be able to do that. Um, DB, like I said, I thought DB was good. The drop pick sucked, but he also got beat on, on the double move. I do think we have to have a discussion about the double moves for DB. And, and that's what's fun about him is he's so good right now. But he has a lot of room to grow. And when he when he does fill that room up, I do think the D- D- Deron Bland, and when I say DB, Deron Bland, he'll be a star in this league if he's not right now. With all of that said, getting beat on a double move, they didn't complete it, right? So by them not completing the pass, his pass rating continues to be amazing when targeted. Something like 22, hasn't given up a touchdown yet. He's got five PBUs. He's got three interceptions. He's still that guy. He's still that guy. Um, so that, that's kind of what I saw on the coverage standpoint, uh, a couple of the big plays, I think you got caught in mismatches. Like I said, Tyrus wheat that got them out of the, the, uh, goal line. You saw, we should never have Donovan Wilson on Keenan Island. That should never be a thing. Um, and you, I think it was like 25 yards, uh, to Keenan Island on that over type of route. might've even have been a post. I can't remember, but, but it was, he was wide open because it's time for Wilson, right? So we gotta we gotta clean those things up. But for the most part, I thought this defense, man, the front seven was like I said, was terrorizing. They stopped the run. They harassed uh Justin Herbert. And when they didn't harass Justin Herbert, yeah, he completed some passes. And yeah, you know, he got caught in some mismatches. But just like I had to give credit to the Chargers on the other side, because you can't see it during the game stream or the game uh broadcast. I said, hey, they, they covered better than I, I thought, especially given how you've seen Dak Prescott do well. But the Cowboys coverage wasn't as bad as I thought. Was it suffocating? I wouldn't say that, but it wasn't as bad as I thought. And that's why Mondays are for emotion and moving forward is for more understanding of what happened on the things we didn't see. So defense, they gave you a really good effort from bell to bell, and I cannot be mad at that. That's one thing I am not going to question uh, is the effort of the defense in that game. We could question it. Against the Niners, we can question it against the Arizona Cardinals, but not in that game. So I thought the Cowboys defense played pretty well. And that's kind of my notes there. Uh, we'll review it quickly. 
Front seven was a tear. I thought Damone Clark and Marquise Bell debuted really well. Uh, that combination and the deep over routes to me were the biggest thing I took away from this game and wondering if we can steal some of that and how do we defend uh, that moving forward. Let me say this, though, before I, I move on to you guys. Again, 351-999-3787 if you guys want to call in a few. get a couple calls, maybe. We got a bye week. We had last week, got this bye week, and then next week going into the Rams game, Rashawn Evans. I talk about Damone Clark and Marquise Bell. Rashawn Evans is likely to be a part of this linebacker group moving forward. I personally am a fan of it. I'm a fan of Rashawn Evans. I wonder, though, how they divvy up those responsibilities. Because if you go look at the snap count, LVE's not coming off the field. He's obviously a quarterback, green dot, all of that, right? Damone won't be a green dot guy. Bell definitely not going to be a green green dot guy. You don't necessarily see a whole bunch of substitutions for your primary backer uh, week in, week out. He's your primary backer. Maybe I'm just a little bit overly optimistic on the dude, but I feel like he could be a, a, a pretty solid stabilizing I don't want to call it force, but a stabilizing piece in the middle there because of his football acumen, his experience, his athleticism, and his ability to who be a thumper. So I'm just curious, like how do they, how do they roll with that? Um, but but good, look, it was a good start to those two young men playing because last year we saw when LVE went out, you saw Clark kind of wide eye, you know, figuring it out. It took a while, you know, you saw whether it be Anthony uh, Barr or whomever else was out there, not, not necessarily being able to step up. Those two gentlemen stepped up, man. They stepped up. 100%. <laughs> Trade LVE. Come on, y'all. Even, even if that was a reality, right? Like the Cowboys looking to shop LVE. Ask yourself this. This is what I always do to people when we talk about trades. Would you trade for that player? Wouldn't do it. Corey said he got that thump to him. Yes, he does. Talking about uh, Rashawn Evans. He absolutely does. Shouts out to Shaq. Viking fan. He said, do you also have Jabril Cox? No, sir. Jabril Cox was cut, let go prior to the season. Then he signed to the Washington practice squad. Not sure if he's still there or not. Gabriel says, I like the Evans pickup. We need more beef at the linebacker position. Uh, I like to pick up for that reason, right? Like having a thumper, but also for what I think he can do for these guys in the locker room, what he can do for them from a football IQ standpoint on the field and in the film room. Uh, We talk about that a lot. Like there's just not a lot of experience in that room. Now there's less experience. You're talking about Marquise Bell just got thrown into playing linebacker two months ago. You know, Malik Jefferson Malik Jefferson is the longest tenured linebacker on the team, and he barely played in the league. Like, he's been on practice squads. He had a few, you know, he had some games in Indianapolis, but he hasn't really had a a ton of snaps in the National Football League. So I think it was important to get you a guy like that. Sir Lawrence said, I forgot about Evans. He said, these games keep me too emotional to think. That's why I say Mondays, bro. Mondays... Or, or for the emotions, because we we really think about it. As a fan, when you watch it, man, you ain't thinking about the X's and O's. At least I'm not. I'm, I know I come on here and we talk about it 
in the post-game show or halftime or something like that in pregame. But I'm just as nutty and, and crazy during the game. Don't believe me? Ask J-Jack. Ask uh, Jesse. Ask Lee. Who they are. They all in the chat. Don't get it twisted. I come on here and I do my job. But <laughs> during the game, you don't want to know what's said. Should have signed Brandon Smith. I ain't going to boo-hoo about it. I do like his athleticism, but Brandon Smith can't stay on nobody's team. But I, but I do like his athleticism. I'm always interested in a defensive player getting in here under Dan Quinn and seeing what they can do. But, uh, you know, I think Smith would have been a guy that would have been intriguing for his athleticism. 100%. Hey, Princess, I'm still learning. Like I said yesterday, Princess says, Sky would love to learn how to watch film. You should do a Saturday class. Uh, shouts out to... I think Vach might be doing this, but shouts out to uh, Landon. I'm trying to think. He hit me up and asked something very similar. He's like, hey, man, how do, how do you organize? I'm like, bro, I'm still, I mean, I have my routine on, on, on what I do, and that works for me. But when you get that, when you get the film, it's very overwhelming because there's so much to watch. So you got to compartmentalize it. Uh, and I've reached out to to people as well to figure out how to do it. But I've got my routine. It might not work for everybody else, but um, I think Vach might be doing one of those. I know Okoye, he does the whole film watch on, on YouTube. I would advise going to watch that as well. Uh, I need to get a Patreon. I got one, but I need to actually use it. And maybe we can do something like that where you guys can see exactly how I, I break this down myself. That'd be fun. You know what I'm saying? The guru says, I think it's a knack. I tell you this. It ain't for everybody. In the sense of, it is time consuming. Very, very time consuming. You're watching the, the, the same play over about five different times, and now there's three angles. Shouts out to, to the film guy. We got three angles now, and you're watching it five different times in different ways, different angles, different players. It's uh, it ain't for the week. Tell you that much. Saturday sessions with Sky on Patreon. That's my only day off. But <laughs> that's my only day off. Maybe, maybe one day, maybe one, at least one of them. And look, I am, I am not a film guru. No, 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 no. Let me just tell you that right now. Vach, Koye, you know, the, you know, they, the, these guys are film gurus. Uh, Law was the, one of the first guys I used to watch the film stuff with. I'm very, very, I lean on uh, Foots a lot too. I just give y'all what I see. I reach out to people to learn different things, but I don't know. Do, 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 do. I'm not no film guru. I just tell y'all what I see. I ain't Danny Savage. I ain't, I ain't invent the game. What y'all talking about here in these super chats? That's one thing I, I would never lead y'all astray and fake the funk. No Surrey Bobsky. Oh, pre-recorded. Not a bad idea, brother. Yeah. Appreciate that, Miss Jackie. I used to do uh drive of the game. For some of y'all who were here two years ago, 2021, I used to just break down a whole entire drive and drop it uh as a video. But I like doing it live with y'all. All right, let's see. Shouts out to John Phillips. He dropped one. Uh he said, Man, or uh any news on Overshone in his rehab? So Nothing. You probably won't hear too much on Overshone, brother. But I know a lot of people were concerned when they saw the video or the, the video. 
Yeah, yeah, a video drop of Overshown after the surgery. He had two cast or, or two wraps around both knees, and people were like, whoa. He messed up both knees? Nah, what happened apparently or what ha- what the process for this is they take something out of the other knee. I'm no doctor. They take something out of the other knee and put it in the injured knee, and that's why that, that knee was wrapped as well. So uh, no update on his, his injury. We'll probably get something maybe towards the end of the year. still fresh. Still fresh. <laughs> Diaper money. Listen, I will always take that. Princess says, heard anything about digs? Nope. Torn ACL. You know, that's usually in this day and age with modern medicine, about a nine to 10 month recovery. Uh, well, I think I expect to see him back by training camp some point in time. We shall see. But we'll have more updates on that. Brother L said, they're asking how to watch the film. A lot of our content creators do film study on what happened in the game, but not how to watch the film. Yeah, that's that's the part right there that I'm not going to lie to you, brother. That's the how to. I can just show you how I do it for sure. And, and maybe that will help some people. But I still feel like I'm learning the best ways on how to. I have my routine and I have no idea if it's if it is what's going to work for everybody else. Uh, I know. And I, and I think I gave praise to Brian Broadus on air on our show because he taught guys like Jeff Cavanaugh, Aisha Morrison, uh, KT, uh, I think I think one of the nosebleed guys, and 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 Dave Hellman, and all these. He he taught a lot of those dudes and, and and women how to watch film, and he is a guy that is somebody I would love to lean on as well in that too. He former scout, he's watching a ton of film, but everybody has their way. Yeah, Koye is that's why I said Koye and Vox. They, they, those are the guys, man. Those are the guys. Yeah, brother, I, I'm waiting for that too. I got, I got to reach out to two I. I got to reach out to two I. A lot's been going on, but I got to reach out to him. TP drop one or not drop one, but TP said trade for Dak Henry and Patrick Sertain. It will guarantee us at least a spot in the NFC Championship. F them picks. And now TP turned off his PlayStation. Come on, TP. You know that ain't happening, big dog. You know that ain't happening. Where is the best place to watch it, says Gregory? The best place to watch it for for the public is definitely the Game Pass. I'm not a fan. Just going to be completely honest. I'm not a fan of it. Don't like it. It's not like it used to be. But that is the that's the place to go watch it is Game Pass. Is Sam Williams the most disappointing player this year? Time out. Stop. Stop the press. Saving that tomorrow, Toxic. Tomorrow's Friday, and I'm going to keep it a bean with y'all. We are likely rolling out the TV cart because it's the bye week. Uh, We'll have a little fun with the trade department. Now, last year what we did was we did an awards uh, situation at the bye week. Got all dressed up, man. It was fun. I had a lot of fun doing that. Not this year. We're not going to do the awards. Um, but we'll we'll do something in a similar fashion, maybe most disappointing player, unsung hero type situation, uh, MVP at the break. I guess that is an award. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll be more loose with our Friday tomorrow. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about Sam. Definitely with what Sam did. It's not the button. What Sam did after the game, something we'll have a conversation about for sure. So tomorrow, tune in. 
We'll take a look at some trade targets. If you guys, real ones, not, you know, Sertan, Derrick Henry, I just don't think those are legitimate. Also, I don't think if you bring in a Derrick Henry, that just all of a sudden is going to fix your run game issues the last couple weeks. I don't think it's a player situation. I think it's a blocking and, and how situation, how they're running. But if you guys have, and maybe I'll put this in a community, if you guys have players or you've, you've seen other teams shopping other guys, uh, hit me up. Hit me up on Twitter, Skywalker Steel. Maybe I'll, I'll throw that in the bag and we'll we'll give a, we're going to do kind of a buy or sell segment tomorrow with Cowboys or Buyers. Uh, where the Cowboys could be sellers. So if, if y'all are interested, or not interested, if y'all know any other teams that are shopping some guys that, that I might have missed, uh, hit me up on Twitter uh, about it. Last two on the way out. There you go. Towboat tie, drop one. Tomorrow, brother. Super chat. Towboat drop two said, who would be the top trade candidates? Tune in tomorrow. Let's figure that out. And then Cerebral dropped two and said, I would love to, to have seen Stevens... The tight end this year. Yeah, that would have been that would have been fun. I think we'd have cut uh Hendershot and that that'd have been fun for sure. For sure. Do me a favor, y'all. On the way out, go ahead and hit that like button. If you missed our scientific method segment, our t- scientific method segment, make sure y'all run that back. Uh we'll be dropping it likely the whole thing this weekend, as we usually do on a Saturday. Um if you're new here, you do enjoy what you see on the program. Subscribe, share this to all your friends out there that are Cowboy fans. I'm telling you, and I know y'all see it out here in these streets, right? I know y'all see what's happening on the socials, what's happening in national media. I was having this conversation with Vach. I'm a humble dude, but one thing I will poke my chest out about when it comes to covering this team, this is where it's at. Not just here, but but elsewhere within this community. But here, you know, here specifically. Volume 306 specifically. It here is where it's at. Don't get caught up in that nonsense. That is TMZ now. Everything is TMZ over there. And it's just getting worse and worse. But you know what? I kick back and I smile. You know why I smile? Because y'all, y'all that come in here and say, I don't even watch Blah, 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 no more. That, to me, is the biggest compliment ever. Because that's how I am. That's how I was, at least. I, I just say, hey, man, why am I watching this? I'm not, I'm not getting what I need to know about my team. You know? And that's happening across the league. Like, I don't want to call old girl out. I'm getting a little messy here on the way out. Apologies. I don't want to call old girl out. But she got a certain wide receiver on her show. You could have been talking about ball. You could have been talking about maybe what he's doing for this charity. You could have been talking about so many things. Old girl said, well, what do you think about defensive back in Detroit talking about when he, now I'm paraphrasing here, when he see you, you know, get ready, pull up. What do you think about that? And then after he commented about it, she said, do we got the, do we got the tape? Let's play the tape. I'm sitting here watching this like, yeah. Is this is this what sports coverage has turned into? As the world turns, drama. Then obviously you got the other network, you know, just just holding on to every word Micah Parsons says and turning that into some dramatic thing. It's just like, man, boy, 
but I'm chilling, bro. I'm chilling. You know why I'm chilling? Because y'all come here. Y'all go to Vach. Y'all go to Law and Foots and all of us, all of us in this community, JJ Tuck and Rome and all these guys, y'all go here for the real. So I just kick back and laugh, man. It's, it's wild how things have changed. When I went to school for broadcast journalism and then to now, it's just crazy. Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. And I'm not a drama dude. I'm not a messy dude. That's why you don't hear me talking about podcasts and things like that. Because I want to talk ball. If you want to talk ball, you come here to talk ball. If you want TMZ and drama, there's other channels that'll give you conspiracies and TMZs and drama. This ain't the one, man. This ain't it. With that said, before I keep going into my soliloquy about this, you're right, Lawrence. I'm going to go ahead and push the button. Push the goddamn button. Push the goddamn button. Appreciate you, more. I just, I just, and I'm not saying no names. If y'all don't know who I'm talking about, just Google Debo. <laughs> It'll pop up. That's all I'm saying. Because, see, I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to get canceled or nothing like that. But I know y'all want to cancel me. <laughs> Get out of here. Love y'all. Peace.